Hi, I'm Lanny. On this podcast, I'll dive deep into all things home. Steading, cooking, schooling, making, food preservation, and scratch-made everything. Our homes used to be more than just a place to sleep and charge our smartphones. The home was the heart of our families, a place where we could birth our babies, school our children, grow, raise, cook, and preserve our own food, host weddings in the pasture, and funerals in our parlor. Do you want to take back your autonomy and breathe new life into your home? Let's learn together. With intention, we can rely more on ourselves and less on the systems that don't serve us. This is the Greener Postures Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Greener Postures Podcast. I'm your host, Lanny, and it's good to be here with you today. I am having a hard time keeping up with how quick time is flying by. Seems like a cliche. Seems like I say it every episode, but it's true. Here we are well into November already. As I record this, we're at November 6th. I'm going to release this today as well. And that means it's time for another Homestead Update episode. So we're going to talk about everything that I was doing around here in October. Thank you, first of all, for everyone who attended the Herbal Bone Broth workshop that I had a couple days ago. Um, My friend Anna, an herbalist, came to my home and we hosted this online workshop live from my kitchen, talking all things bone broth, how to make it, what animal parts to use, how to cook it, what method of cooking to use, how long to cook it. And then Anna added such valuable information, so many ideas that I have in my head of new things to try, all about adding herbs and medicinal mushrooms and different kinds of things to your broth, almost as if your broth was a a tea. So we make herbal teas and infusions for our health. Why not add those beneficial herbs to our broth. And it just like blew my mind open. Super exciting stuff. Um, The replay for that is available for anyone who wants to purchase it. You can still find that at greenerpostures.com slash workshops. It comes with a book that's got a bunch of information from me as like my standard broth workshop did. And then some a few pages at the end from Anna, along with recipes and herb ideas for different things that might ail you. So I highly recommend if you haven't checked that out and you want the replay to go and get it. Good info. And you can follow at Anna at Nettles and Petals NW on Instagram and see all the cool stuff she gets up to. She has an Etsy shop too. And I didn't know this, but she actually has an herbal broth mix that she sells. And you use a certain amount of it to a certain amount of broth and simmer it for a certain amount of time, like making a tea. And it's got really cool stuff in it. And she left a packet for me to try. So I'm super excited to try that. And I'll let you guys know how it is. So in October... You know, honestly, I don't remember when I launched preservingtoday.com. I think it was in September, but my life has been kind of consumed with continuing to get that thing up and running. And so anything that I'm working on in the sidelines of the physical things that we do here on the homestead, it's been that. So I'm feverishly writing new posts and taking, making things and taking pictures and trying to figure out how that's going to actually work into my regular routine. It still feels like something that I'm really having to think about or I'm having to set time aside for. But I think in the future, I can feel like just another addition to what I'm already doing. If I'm writing about what I'm really making at home and taking pictures, then it should be something that kind of happens more, I don't know, seamlessly or easily or not easy. Nothing's easy. Nothing good is easy, but like just a little more naturally. That's a good way to say it. 
So in October, we started off by making 50 pounds of bratwurst for my cousin's uh, party. They were having an Oktoberfest type party and asked us to make the homemade bratwurst so it would be extra special. I also made a gallon of sauerkraut for her for her uh, birthday present. Um, Their son was also turning 18 around the same time, so it was like a really big party. I went with our two little guys as well to just kind of enjoy myself. And um, I couldn't cook when I was there. And it was really challenging for me because they were our bratwurst that we made and my cousins weren't cooking so that they could be hosting the party. So they had a friend do it and I didn't know what they know about food. And I really wanted those bratwurst to be cooked correctly, like cooked enough, but not overcooked and handled well. But I couldn't cook because I had my two and a half year old there. I should start saying almost three. He will turn three this month of November. And so I was chasing him around. I didn't have time to cook, but I was just kind of keeping my eye on that girl the whole night. And it was really good. Everybody was super impressed by the sausages. And I think one of my favorite things that, you know, I had a lot of compliments. They, um, you know, did a speech at some point during this big party. And they uh, told us, me, you know, like they introduced me and said that my husband and I made the sausage and everyone, you know, was so impressed. And so people throughout the night were coming up to me and complimenting me on the that, which was very flattering, especially since it's mostly Chud's deal. But I did, I have tweaked the spices on the recipe and I think we've improved it as a, as a couple. So I can take some ownership. But the best thing somebody said to me was like, oh, it's so great because usually I don't eat sausages at parties because I have food sensitivities and it's not normally just meat and spices. And so like, yes, that's why we make things from scratch because we can and control the ingredients. And it made me feel really good that somebody who would usually avoid having a sausage at a gathering because they didn't want to go, hey, can I see the package for that? Can I see if there's anything I can't have in there? They were just able to ask me, is that just meat and spices? Yep. And they were like confident to have it and they enjoyed themselves. And that's always a really cool thing. Um, let's see about the early in the month, we let our young flock of chickens out for the first time. So we always keep our chickens inside their coop and run until they start laying their eggs. Then they learn to lay their eggs in their box. And then we start letting them free range and uh, free ranging will then lead to them merging with the older flock into our larger coop. And the goal is to try to get that done before like it snows, before it gets really cold so that all of the chickens are in one coop. It's easier to manage, easier to make sure that the waters are not freezing because you're only dealing with one chicken house, water running power to one spot if we need the heater on under the water. And this worked really well. They enjoyed their time outside. And when we do that the first time, we let our big chickens stay inside and in their run all day. So they were locked in. They were a little bummed. But we let the chickens, the little chickens out for the first day. And then the second day, they went out solo again. The third day, we let both flocks out together. And they were getting pretty along pretty well. Um, the roosters weren't torturing anybody. It was pretty quickly apparent that the younger rooster was going to take over and bring in the the younger gals, which he did, and he's done a great job. And everybody's uh, one happy family. I don't know how long it took. It was was maybe a week or two while they were still going in their old coop and getting closed at night. Eventually, one night we went to go close the little coop and nobody was in there. And everybody was in the big coop. So that was really nice. That went, you know, it's like when you first merge flocks or you're first working with two ages of chickens and you are working through those dynamics, it can seem overwhelming. But the way we've done it the last few years, it's been just 
easy. Um, they spend a lot of time nearby each other before that. And then you let the younger ones out for a while on their own so they can get their bearings and then everybody out together. And it's cool. But since letting the younger flock out, I have to say, we have one chicken that stands out. Usually I don't talk about chicken personalities because they're just chickens <laughs> and I love them. And they do sometimes have different personalities. You know, we have one that's more friendly and not skittish. And most of the other ones are just skittish and weird and they lay eggs and it's excellent. I love having them around. I love watching them scratch and peck. I love the sounds that they make. But we have one chicken that's got a name now because she has presented herself to us so many times. She's the only one that looks like her. I don't know chicken breeds, but they're, this one looks almost stripey. It's a dark color with like a lighter color stripes, maybe a barred look. I don't know. I'm just making it up because I don't remember names. It's a barnyard mix of a bunch of different stuff. And she lays blue eggs because she had lavender uh, Americana in her uh, from our other chickens that we hatched the eggs from. But she is Henrietta now because she has been everywhere. So the first time I noticed she was getting into stuff, she got herself stuck in the dog yard, which is like um, off of our house. And there's a fence there. So she had to jump the fence, you know, fly over the fence to get in there and then like figure out how to get out, which was funny. And uh, she was brought to my attention at that time. And then we were out on our porch one day. My dog came out on the porch and she was going crazy. We had this bus tub, you know, like they use for washing dishes in a restaurant. We use them for sausage making and stuff. It was on the porch and I had been leaning up to dry on the porch because we had used it for something. And now it was just flat on the, on the ground, like flipped over and the dog was smelling crazy like something was under it. So I pick it up. And the chicken comes out. <laughs> the chicken was trapped under that bus tub and had laid an egg under there. That's how I know she actually lays blue eggs. So she was so funny. Like she's just got up on the porch and probably bumped that thing exploring under it. And it flipped over on top of her. And she was in there long enough to poop a few times and lay an egg. <laughs> so that was just the second time. Since then, we have found Henrietta in all of the places on people's cars in people's cars. She was in a friend's truck. When the friend went to leave, she jumped out and startled my friend who had left her door open when she was loading stuff. So Henrietta has quite the personality. She loves getting into different places that she's not supposed to. She loves getting up on people's cars when they're here for the first time or in them if she can, um, on our porch, into the dog yard again. Um, it's just been really interesting. So she's funny and the rest of them are just chickens. <laughs> and um, I really like them. They're laying a cool mix of blue and like olive colored eggs. Um, the olive eggs seems to come, have come later. They didn't start laying as soon and they are not laying as frequently, which is typical of the black copper moran that they're mixed with. So hopefully next year we'll get breeds that are really good at laying frequently and we'll try to refresh our flock with mostly young hens because it's really challenging as they're getting older, figuring out who's still laying frequently and who's not. And when they start molting this time of year, they're almost not laying at all. And that's like a lot of chickens to feed for them not laying. Whereas this first year flock, they're not molting and they're laying like crazy. So we need a lot of first year chickens next year to refresh this. And we need to let go of some of our older ladies, which is going to be hard to make those decisions. But you got to do what you got to do. We definitely want to be yielding more eggs per day than we are right now because we eat a lot of them. The dog eats a lot of them. And I like we have I like to have them to sell to the friends who like to buy from us. 
Then we have the solar eclipse, which was really interesting. Um, we were kind of up all apart at that time. Chad was at work. Um, my 10-year-old was at my, his grandma's house, and my two-year-old was asleep. But I went way back into our pasture and found a spot to watch. I didn't use glasses or anything. and um, It was cloudy enough that I could see the sun through the clouds, and it was like muted enough that I could watch and see the eclipse. And it was pretty amazing. I got some cool pictures as well. Um, just after that, um, the next day, actually, we had a huge project at our house with one, two, three, four um, friends. I should say one of my friends and three of her friends or acquaintances. We all put money in and we bought a bunch of fresh tuna from um, our port and slapped it in the freezer for a little while until we could find time to all get together. Um, we borrowed a bandsaw that's like four fish and we cut this frozen tuna into steaks like big steaks and then we cleaned it out took the skin off and got it into jars and canned it so the project we did together was using the bandsaw and then cutting the fish and then we kind of split up after that went home uh, to our respective homes to put them in our canners and it was so fun to have like this big work party at the house and to be working with um, fresh tuna again and getting our own home canned tuna my second year in a row. But last year we got a loin. Um, the loin is meaning that there's like four quadrants kind of in a tuna, I think. And you, you get these big long pieces of meat and that you can cut up into steaks or whatever. And so we had that last time. So it was already cut and cleaned for us. And we just had to maybe trim a little bit of stuff off here and there, get it into the jars. This was a bigger process, like by, by a lot. But last year's tuna was $6 a pound. This year's tuna, we, we paid $3 a pound. And I was like, oh, so half the price is worth that extra effort and like getting to do it ourselves and having that experience was cool too. Now, unfortunately I tried to make broth with this tuna and everything online says not to do it because oily fish don't make good broth. And I know why now, because it smells really fishy. Uh, it was really gross and we made a huge pot of it and I couldn't bring it inside and then Chud had to bury it for me. And it was really hard to bury because it's so gelatinous that it like didn't absorb into the ground. So it was a horrible mess, but it was good to have that experience. And we did it in our big crab oil pot outside. And uh, I'm glad we did it to just see for myself. But yeah, now I know why you don't make fish broth with fish heads uh, from tuna or other oily fish, okay? But it's also got me a fire under me to want to get some bones from like white fish and try making good fish stock because it seems like it's pretty magical. Um, definitely want to try that. So next time I go to like Whole Foods or something, I'm going to see if they have any frames, fish frames, heads or tails so that I can make some good stuff myself. Uh, right after that, like two days after, I was finally done with all the canning. I got 40 half pints of tuna this year. Last year, I got 20, so twice as many, which is excellent. So I don't have to hold back on, on feeding us that for lunch, you know, at least a couple times a week. You know, that won't last us the whole year, but we could do a once a week uh, and last almost the whole year. It doesn't need to last the whole year, but it's something that's really nice to have um, and it's tasty. But two days after that, I went over to a friend's house that does a larger scale chicken operation and help them process. We did 50 birds in a day with a few people. And it was interesting to see it go so much faster than we do at home. 
just because it's just usually me and Chad or with like a friend that's not experienced helping. And we just kind of go, you know, at a slower pace. This was more people, more hands, more equipment. And we were able to move quicker. Their plucker could hold three birds at the same time. They had, um, you know, four or five kill cones out. So they were like dropping them in and letting them drain like four or five at a time. So yeah, it was quite a bit faster. And I got paid a chicken per hour, which I thought was a great deal. Um, I took those home and instead of putting them in the freezer, I piece them out, um, which I think is so valuable. It seems like it's so exhausting to do that after you've processed your chickens, but to be able to piece these out and have, you know, breasts and thighs and legs and wings all separated, saving the chicken frame for broth, the heads and feet for broth, wing tips for broth, and then packaging your wings like in a package of, you know, eight wings and packaging your legs in a package of four so that you have these packs like people buy at the store of exactly what they want. It's something you take for granted, you know, at the store, you can just go, oh, I'm getting party wings tonight. We're going to have 20 of them or whatever. It's not something you do when you grow your own chickens. You have a whole bird to pull out. You can break that down if you want to. But if you break it down before you put it in the freezer, then you can have those packs that you want to, like from the grocery store. So I'm very thankful. I even thought this time to slice some of that breast really thin, then I vacuum sealed it. So there's going to be a few nights where I'm so tired, but I can make curry because we have everything we need for curry. We have freeze-dried herbs. We have coconut milk. We have canned broth. And we have this sliced chicken. I'm not even going to thaw it. I'm just going to stir, throw it in there and stir it around until it's cooked. Um, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about when I am promoting my big batch from scratch ideas. It's like doing big batches of stuff that are a lot of work all at one time. That's the idea of preserving today. And that's what preserve really means. Pre-serve. Think about that. You're serving yourself today, you know, you're working today to serve yourself tomorrow, pre-serving. And I think that that's so great that we have these modern kitchens and homes where we have access to a freezer and a refrigerator where we can do that work for ourselves ahead of time, get ahead of things. And then on the days where we're just feeling beat or we're tired or we're sick or whatever, you're doing another big production day to feed yourself down the road. Well, you, you got to take it easy because you have all this other stuff you've already done yesterday, you know, and that's, I don't know. So very, very good stuff. So the tuna and the chicken prep, all of that felt really, really good following along with our goals of being ahead of things, being prepared. I canned a bunch of broth right after that too, because instead of actually freezing the chicken frames, I just put them straight into the pressure cooker and I did a bunch of, of broth. I did seven quarts of broth. And then we had a birthday for our 10 year now 10 year old son. So that was very, very exciting. And he requested a very interesting dinner. He wanted to have uh, dolmas, which are stuffed grape leaves, Greek style stuffed grape leaves. Usually um, from time to time, I'll buy a can of stuffed grape leaves, which is like uh, grape leaf stuffed with rice in like a lemon and oil. It's not great because it's vegetable oil, but it's nostalgic to me from the time that I worked at a Lebanese restaurant. We sold those there and they were really popular. We served them as well and um, they were good. But he wanted dolmas and I told him, well, he used to, I, I've made meat dolmas. It's like meat and rice with this lemon sauce on it. It's so good. We should try that. He was into it. So I got the grape leaves in a can and then, you know, rinsed those and then made the meat filling. It's raw beef, 
and it's uncooked rice that's soaked. And then you mix those things together with some onions and spices and salt and stuff these grape leaves and layer them in a pot, fill it with broth, cover it, simmer it on the stove. So it's pretty excellent stuff. Um, I was really actually happy to have that been asked that because I don't think I would have gone to do that uh, if he wouldn't have requested it. And it was so good. And I love the lemon, egg and lemon sauce that, that's on those things. If you've ever been to a Greek restaurant and that sauce, it's like silky and delicious. It's egg yolks and chicken stock and lemon juice. It's the same as the avo lomono soup that I like so much. So I was just licking the pot with that sauce. And then we made euros with it as well, which is always good. I went to my old the, the restaurant that I worked at that sells groceries too. And I got, that's where I got the grape leaves. And I got um, the pita bread from there, the good um, Lebanese-style pita bread that I like so much. And that was a fun dinner. My parents came over for that, and we hung out. Then we decided to, to take the kids. We'd planned it in advance. We had a mini vacation to a place called Great Wolf Lodge that's south of Seattle, south of Olympia in Washington State. I think there's five or six locations across the country. This is an indoor water park. It's a full hotel indoor water park resort that's for families. It is specifically for families. Um, there's games that the kids play that involve running around the hotel and different, and, you know, like a hide and, uh, not a hide and seek, but like a scavenger hunt in the hotel. It's Halloween. So they had like trick or treating at a certain time of night where you could go to different areas in the hotel. So yeah, this water slides place is pretty fun for the kids. It's like a full on water slides. They have like a wave pool. Um, and it's like an all encompassing resort. So all the food is there and everything, which is like good and bad because like the food is like, they should make the food really good at these kind of places, but they don't. And, and it's just kind of what you expect. There's a pizza place. The pizza's all right. It's not that great. Um, there's like a restaurant that has burgers and fries, but it's always really busy. So we didn't go there again, but I'm get there. And that night we're going to, we go to the water park and I'm like playing with my kid in the splash pad area, the little guy. Uh, we also brought my cousin's kid who's 14. And so my 10 year old and him were able to really go off on their own and have a great time. But I started to feel like my throat was like felt weird from breathing the steamy chlorine air or something. And then I, by that night I had a headache by the next morning I had full on like body aches and chills and I was sweating and I'm trying to hide <laughs> from my cousin's kid that I'm sick because I don't want him to worry that he's going to get sick. Cause I don't know their dynamics with or belief system around how you get sick and all of that. It's ours is an alternative. And I was just kind of like, I'm going to hide out. I stayed in the hotel like the whole next day. We stayed, spent a second night and then drove home. The second night, my 10 year old was having crazy nightmares where he like felt like he was still in the water park. And he was like, where am I? You know, confused, waking up confused, which made me think maybe he was starting to get a fever. So I'm watching him kind of carefully and I'm barely sleeping. So I'm, I'm there. Um, and then like we see another night, I'm like sicker yet. It's time to go home. I took ibuprofen for the first time in like eight years just to be able to get in, in the car and be okay enough to get us home. And then we're like, I don't know, 40 minutes from home after a two hour, you know, two hours away from the hotel, 40 minutes from home. And my two-year-old is sleeping in the back. He just barfs all over himself. <laughs> So we all just like detox like really rapidly from being in this environment. We're like swimming in chlorine inside the EMF like halls of like 
everything's connected. The Wi-Fi kids are running around with these like Bluetooth wands playing these games <laughs> and these uh, machines in the hallways. It's like we didn't go outside or touch the ground or see the sky for like almost three full days. Not really three full days, okay? Because we did we drove there on the first day and we drove back on the third day. But it was like a full more than twenty four hours of us not going outside, touching the ground, breathing the fresh air. It was intense. So I got home and then I wasn't better. I was sick for like a few days. And then I started to get kind of congested. And I even recorded the Halloween episode during that time. If I sound congested, it's because I was. So um, our three-year-old, almost three-year-old, he was only puking for like a 24 hours after that, which was good because sometimes that can, for him, can really drag on. And that makes it harder for everybody too. So yeah, it uh, was an interesting end to that stuff but the good news is is that my 10 year old had a great time and that was all about him you know turning the double digits and having a great party and um yeah so we ended the month with a bang um that would be my dad and brother got an elk when they were hunting in idaho and my dad's like would you guys want to process this and we were like sure not knowing what we were getting into so we have these bloody sacks of meat dropped off on our and poor Chud worked all day Halloween cleaning that meat, getting any fur off of it, getting any branches off of it, getting dirt off of it, cutting all the silver skin off of it and moving that out into coolers. And then the next day I came in and helped and I helped further clean. You know, there was one bag left that needed cleaning, but after that was cutting things in the steak, cut a bunch of stuff. I did about 12 pounds in jerky and got that marinating. And then we ground the rest of it. We ground about, you know, 80 pounds of it. So there was steaks and all. And then I started making jerky. So the next few days was all about jerky making and dehydrators and in the oven. This is my first time making jerky. It's pretty intuitive. I should have gone with my gut. I went with a recipe instead. I cut the meat really thin and I should have gone for either a way less amount of time of drying it, or I should have cut the meat thicker because it's just too brittle. It's not a, that enjoyable to eat. It's good. It the flavor is good and everything. I did like soy sauce, liquid smoke, um, sesame oil, hot sauce kind of a vibe. And it was really good. Like a teriyaki, I guess you would call it style. Um, but it's made me want to try again. So I think I'm going to try to make some beef jerky because we're going to be getting our half a cow today and filling our freezer just in time to have this elk out of the freezer and back to my dad's house. And I don't know how he's compensating uh, dad. If you're listening, <laughs> you need to either kick us down some elk or pay us some money. Cause that was a lot of work. And I'd say if somebody um, is dressing an animal in the field, if you hunt, you know, it's important. If you're going to see that through to where you're making it to where you could cook it and you're not just dropping it off at a butcher, think about how keep how you can keep that as clean as possible in the field um, so that when you get it home, it's not such an ordeal to clean it up. But that being said, we had slow cooker elk. We had elk burgers um, on the days that we were working on, and it was really tasty. It's so lean, though. You have to mix it with fat or something because it's just like so. there's no fat on that animal. It's impressive. It was a good experience. I'm glad we did it, but I'm glad it's done. And we're getting our half a cow today, like I said, and I'm excited to work with that too. I set aside some of that ground elk and I'm going to be adding that with ground beef and ground pork and making some um, meatballs that I can cook off and freeze so that we have quick meals there as well. Big, big batch from scratch meatballs is one of my favorite. I've talked about a hundred times on the podcast. It's one of my favorite foods to have in the 
freezer because it's so quick and easy to reheat. You can grab it from frozen and reheat it. And the kids always love it. And there's so many ways to use it. You can make pizza with meatballs. You could make spaghetti and meatballs, obviously. You could put meatballs in soup or you can just heat them up and eat them as they are. It's always good. Put barbecue sauce on them, whatever. Um, meatballs, right? Meatball. <laughs> So anyway, um, that's it. That's my homestead update for October. It is now November. It's weird because I titled this episode November Homestead Update, but I'm talking about the month of October. It doesn't make sense, but that's how I set it up in the beginning. So I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm trying to be consistent <laughs> until the end of the year. Things will switch up for the podcast um, starting in January. I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet, but I'll make sure you guys know first. Um, it's... <sighs> The more I'm expanding what I'm doing, the more I'm realizing it's more than I can exactly fit in with my schedule while I'm homeschooling, homesteading as well. So I'm going to pull back a little bit on certain things, but I'm not sure which things I'm scaling back for yet. I am going to put a notice out to anybody who is a Greener Postures member that I'm going to not be able to put out my normal membership content for October, November, December. I'm going to be putting a recipe out each month. And if anybody wants to withdraw their donations, that's absolutely fine. Or if you want to keep them there because you have see value in the podcast and the, the new content that's coming out on Preserving Today, then I will thank you for that. But it's just too much to try to do the custom videos for the membership for these next couple months while I'm still getting my bearings for the new website. And then just really quick to tell you, if you haven't gone to preservingtoday.com, what you are missing is several posts over the last month. It's a good idea for you to check back there often because I am putting new stuff out um, once a week at least. So I have several posts that, that came out in October. And what did I do? Just a few of them. I did a great post on how to preserve bone broth. Um, I talked about pressure canning, freezing, and freeze drying. I also put a YouTube video out on Preserving Today's YouTube channel all about how I pressure can my bone broth. I also put out an, an, a blog post on how I make garlic tomb and how I'm using that to preserve my garlic this year. I have a new post on co uh, coconut kefir and how I make coconut kefir at home. And that's also a YouTube video. I have a new post last weekend that was how I preserve my Napa cabbage, which is by making kimchi, which is my one of my favorite fermentation recipes. So I show how I make kimchi, which is a little different than a lot of the recipes you'll read online. And again, that's a YouTube video as well as a post on my website. And just today... Kefir Ranch, how I make homemade ranch last longer. So I'm talking about a video I made over a year ago about how I make kefir ranch and talk in detail about why that works and how it helps it preserve it. So check that out on preservingtoday.com and on youtube.com slash at preservingtoday. Watch my videos, subscribe there if you haven't already. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. I'm Lanny and this is the Greener Postures Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Preserving Today, subscribe to the Preserving Today YouTube channel, and go to preservingtoday.com to sign up for my mailing list. Questions, feedback, or would you like to be a guest on the show? Send me a DM or you can email me at greenerpostures at pm.me. I'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in attending one of my online workshops, go to greenerpostures.com workshops. And remember, today's cabbage is tomorrow's kraut.